Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So we're in the middle of this uh, of this series called the Parenting Boot Camp, and as you know, we're going to go five weeks on this. We've already done our first week. We've got four more, and the last week, I'm taking questions from you, okay? So we have put together a website, much like we did with the, uh, the, the uh, Love, Marriage, Baby Carriage series that we did, and it's scspeaks.com. If you would like to submit a question, I am bribing people for your parenting questions. So if I use your question in the service, which will be the final service, uh, I will give you a gift card to Starbucks or Chipotle. Some of you have already let me know that you are going to be submitting some doozies and which gift card you would prefer. So uh, if you would please just, just submit them. I don't care if you get on your device and do it now, but it's scspeaks for simplechurchspeaks.com. And you can submit your questions there. And a lot of you have already done that. But we want to get them in advance and, uh, and pick only the best questions. So make sure it's a good question, okay? Make sure it's a good question. And, uh, and so, okay, so the reason we do this series is, look around this room, let me ask you this question first of all. How many of you guys are currently parents or will someday be a parent? Raise your hand. Look around this room. This is why we do this series, right? Because there are enough of you that will eventually be a parent or who currently are a parent. And, uh, and you can use this information. The other reason we do this series is because everybody who has a newborn, the child is born and we look at it with our eyes filled with wonder and we take pictures with it and we coddle it and we, we imagine how the child is going to turn out and we, we think about all their talents they're going to have and how we can capitalize on those things. Like, you know, my, my daughter is just, I'm just blessed with a beautiful daughter and I am convinced that someday she is going to be a model. And I've, ever since she was little, called her my cash cow. I would sing to her, moo, 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 and she goes, boo, moo. She sings back to me. She knows she's going to be my cash cow someday because I will be the manager of a lucrative modeling career that she will have. <laughs> Retirement is planned. No, but seriously, we smile. We take, we take pics of our kids, and we, and we think about them in these positive ways, right? We have plans for them. We know what they're going to do with their lives, and we, we've got it planned since they were... First place in our arms. But nobody ever thinks, right, when they get their kid in their arms, like, you know, someday I'm going to be taking you to rehab. Or, or, some, or someday I'm going to come bail you out of jail or visit you in jail. Or I'm going to take you to the doctor for a dis, an, an eating disorder, right? We don't look at our kids and think that. And that's, that's probably a good thing that we don't do that. But, but the reality is, is that our kids are going to make choices year after year. Every birthday that comes by, their lives begin taking shape, and it's not really the way we thought it was going to turn out, right? We look at our kids, and we say, well, you're supposed to be this way, and they, they just start making their decisions, their attitudes, start shaping them a lot different than we actually expected, right? And so uh, I, want, I want you to know that, that as, as they grow older, it is, it is uh, very easy for us to look at our kids and to, to have, there's a lot of stresses that come along with parenting. There's a lot of disappointments that come along with parenting as well. And, and that's okay. That's, that's just part of it. If you're feeling lost as a parent, welcome to the club because that's just the club. And our kids are going to do things that are going to disappoint us from time to time. And so in, in, in an effort to, to just be a little lighthearted about that, it's, it's okay when they disappoint you. I, I went to the internet and I found some pictures of kids that have did th- done things that were, um, well, a little disappointing. Will wants to show us. <clears throat> so... <laughs> As cute as this is, and as wonderful as this picture is, 
This is not one of your favorite things that your kids have done, right? Okay. At least it's Crayola. It's washable. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about this picture is while the parents are incredibly upset, the dog, if you have one, is very happy. Very happy. All right, next. That's peanut butter, by the way. All right, so here you go. Uh, this is, yeah, so I like my mom, I like my dad. Oh, that's really sweet, scratched into my car hood. That's really nice. The sentiment was great, right? Yeah, we're hoping that's my car, right? Instead of somebody else's, yeah. Okay, next. Good point. Where were you guys first service? All right, here, now I'm not sure, but that looks like an industrial-sized bucket of diaper rash cream. First of all, why do you have that? And second of all, wow, what a mess. But I love the little footprints as they go along. That's really precious, isn't it? All right, next. And here we go. This is where we will end. We are so happy. What's that? We are so happy that they are in the bathroom and on the toilet, just not so thrilled they're in the toilet, correct? So, so kids are going to do things throughout your life that are going to disappoint you, and that's just the way that parenting goes. I'm sure you all have pictures of things your kids have done just like this, right? Or even moments you don't want to share with everybody. But here's what the scriptures say. Kids are not always going to do what you want them to do, but here's what the scriptures say. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Right now, of course, you're reading a verse like that and you say, hey, you haven't met my child yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this is a gift, is it possible that I can exchange it or return it? No? All right. So seriously, though, kids are a gift. And anyone that has ever gotten a gift on Christmas, you, you understand that, that sometimes you get a gift that uh, comes with either limited instructions or no instructions at all, right? And so what happens? You open this present up, and usually it's one of those complicated like Lego kits that you get for one of your kids, and the, the instructions are just not really, uh, they're just not, they don't explain things very well. And so you spend your entire day frustrated and irritated trying to put together this Lego kit, or maybe even bicycles. Bicycles come, uh, they, they come unassembled nowadays, and you have to figure that out. There's no instructions that come with those. Kids are kind of like that. Kids are like that. They do not come with instructions, right? And, and, and here's the frustrating thing is, is that once you do figure out one kid and you figure out his instructions, it, it doesn't work for the other, right? The, the instructions are completely different. And so it's very frustrating as a parent. And so we, wonder, we also wonder how one kid who was raised in the same house is completely different than the other kid, right? We have one kid that comes out and, and everything is, is, is exciting, everything is fresh, everything is beautiful, and they are happy, and they are lovely. And then you got the other kid who comes out with a cigar out of his mouth and he's like, hey, listen, the next few years is going to be rough on all of us. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, where did you come from, right? Just imagine who framed Roger Rabbit, like the baby with the, you know, yeah, right. So it's like, where, where did you come from? And if you think about it, it's like, it's like in your family, you probably have this. That's why we have something called a black sheep, right? How many of you guys have a black sheep in your family? How many of you guys are the black sheep in your family, right? See, exactly. So you know what I'm talking about. It does, they can be raised in the same set of circumstances, and yet you come out completely different. It's because it doesn't have much to do with the parenting process. It has to do with the decision the kids make, right? Their choices along the way. And so uh, we, we wonder how they come out so different. And so anyway, you parents know what I'm talking about. If you're, you're a parent who's feeling lost, welcome to the club. That's where we're all at. And, and one of the biggest mistakes I think that we make is the tendency to, to try to give our kids uh, – 
uh, experiences, right? Because, because we, we don't have all the instructions and we make mistakes as parents. And, and last week we talked about one of our biggest mistakes is making sure that our kids are experience rich and relationally poor. That's one of our biggest mistakes that we do. We want to make sure that they are in the best schools. We want to make sure that they are doing all the activities, their gymnastics, and, and that they are going to the best schools, that they have the nicest clothes. We, we want to make sure they get on the sports teams, and we, we, we want that for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't come from a bad place in your heart. The thing is, is when you, you put that on the pedestal instead of the relationships, so they are experienced, rich, and relationally poor. That, that is one of our biggest mistakes. And so our kids, our kids suffer because of that. And we want to deal with that because we know that the decisions our kids make, the experiences that they have, are going to come as a result of the relationships that they have, right? It's okay to have experiences, but we know the better thing is to have those experiences as a result of quality relationships. And so how do we influence their relationships? As parents, that's what it's all about. How do we influence their relationships? We talked last week about what the three key relationships are, and that's the relationship with God, that's the relationship with you, and then the relationship with others. And so how do we, how do we get in there and, and influence that so that whatever they are saying across all three of those, those relationships is the same, so that what is being communicated is the same? Because we know this from life. If a kid hears something over and over again, they have a tendency to remember it and even to repeat it and, and put it into their life. Like, look, when I was growing up, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, right? So... Uh, things that I heard over and over again, I'm going to say some of them to you, and you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about because you heard him as well. I pity the fool, right? <laughs> Who's that? That's, that's, that's Mr. T. Mr. T, that's right. Or how about, uh, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> right? We all know that's, that's Arnold, right? Yeah. Or uh, where's the beef? Anybody remember this? Wendy's. Wendy's commercial, right? We heard that over and over again. This great ad campaign. Or how about, help, I've fallen and I can't. Right, we heard that over and over again. That is still like a, a joke in my family, right? It's, it's, it's classic. It's not going away. And so we know that, that these messages get repeated over and over again, and we remember them. And, and we get messages from our parents as well, right? We, like, uh, life isn't fair. Yeah, you all can finish that one for me. Or money doesn't grow on Right, so you've all heard this. Or in my household, one of the things that I say to my kids, and you're probably going to judge me, and that's okay, I tell them apologies are cheap. Apologies cost you nothing, right? It'll, obedience will cost you something. These are things that I say to my kids. Why? Because I'm teaching them a valuable lesson. I'm teaching them, and I repeat it to them often. When they apologize, I thank them for their apology, and I let them know that cost them nothing. I love you, but that cost you nothing. Obedience would have been better. Whoa. They're going to repeat that, and hopefully they will carry that on to the next generation of their kids. And say it, and hopefully I'm saying it with the same kind of love I'm saying it today, and not the kind of screaming manner that, you know, we all have a tendency to get into, and that sarcastic tone that we all have a tendency to take. And so the reason I bring this up is because when you leave your kids, or when your kids leave your house, they will remember certain lessons. Those catchphrases or memories will stick with them. And what is that going to be like for them? When they think back to their time at home with you, what are they going to remember? Are they going to remember that they could never measure up, or that they were a nuisance, annoying or interruptions to your life or are they going to believe that they were such a failure what are your kids going to remember coming from your house you know and if you're an average parent which is where i'd put myself i put myself in that average category then when you look at your kids and, the, and they're they're making decisions and they're watching their attitudes it's easy to feel like a loser and a failure as a parent and I want you to be free from this kind of bondage because you need to be a praying parent like it depends on God to develop your kid. And you need to be a, a, a parent who is actively engaged in their kids. So you need to do everything that you can do as a parent. But at the end of the day, that, that's all you can do, right? 
That, that's all you can do. So let me free you. I'm going to say something to you. You are not responsible for your kids. You are responsible to them. There's a shift there. There's a difference. You are not responsible for their attitudes, for the decisions that they make, for the way that they choose to live your, their life. You are responsible to them. You are responsible to provide a loving uh, home for them to be in. You are responsible for providing them food. You are responsible for providing them opportunities. You are responsible for teaching them to love the Buckeyes. You are responsible for all these things <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> but you are, not, you are not in charge of their decisions. You are not responsible for them. Because that devastating myth that exists that says that good parenting guarantees mature, responsible, and godly kids. It is not true. It, it is simply not true. They are their own person and they will make their own decisions over time. See, this, why is it so devastating to believe that if you do everything right, your kid's going to turn out right? Well, because it puts shame and guilt on you. When your child makes a decision that is contrary to the way that you have raised them, it puts guilt on you, or other people might want to put it on you because, you know, well, your kid, he's a little crazy, or he doesn't know how to focus, or he can't pay attention, right? And you put that guilt and shame on the parent, and you say, well, if you had done your job and you wag your finger at them, that is a devastating myth. Or the flip side of that is you believe that every, every result of your kid or the way that they have turned out is all on you. You think it's because you're an awesome parent, and you get this false pride or this, this unhealthy pride about yourself. When really it has to do with God that is working in their life, of course it has to do with your influence in their life as well. But they're ultimately making decisions. They're ultimately deciding how they will respond to the rules and, and, and deciding to obey. So if you've got a kid that's really, really great-natured, you want to take credit for that. Well, that, That's a myth. It has a lot to do with them, their choices, and not you. So here's the situation. you got one kid that comes out of the house that's great, and the other kid comes out of the black sheep. And, and we, when you have those black sheep, you put that guilt, you put that weight on yourself. And, and you, you, you want to believe that the Bible gives you a promise, that if you do A, B, and C, that you get a kid that looks like this. But that's simply not true. Here's what the Bible does say. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is a great verse. And we want to quote it and we want to say, I have to do this as a parent. Yes, you do. Yes, you do need to do this as a parent. You need to be actively involved and engaged in your kid's life in the training process. But this is not a principle. This is not a promise. This is a proverb. And proverbs are speak to the way that things generally go. Okay? It's not a promise. It's not a guarantee that if you do A, B, and C, your kid looks like this. Otherwise, wouldn't we all have some kids that, that look a lot different? Like, look at your, your life and be honest about your kids. You've done A, B, and C, and they don't look like you think they ought to look. And so, again, you are responsible to your children and not responsible for them. You are not responsible for every decision, attitude, and move they make. The fact is that rebellion will happen in even the greatest of circumstances, won't it? You can, you, a child can, can have... You can have a horrible upbringing or maybe the beginning of your life was and then things improved. Maybe mom and dad got a better job, moved to a nicer neighborhood. Your circumstances changed and they're great. And you can still rebel because you choose to as a kid. That's just what happens. And so there are going to be times where your kids will do things that will, not, that will make you happy Excuse me, and bring a smile to your face and, and everything is wonderful. It'll be one big love fest, right? It's like, yay, my kids are behaving. <laughs> I am stress-free right now. Then there's going to be other times that your kids will disappoint you. 
And when you do, the temptation will be to get emotional and to respond in a way that, is, that, that you fail to control yourself, but you try to control the situation and your kids. This is when you start screaming. This is when you start yelling. And you get really intense in hopes that when you do, that they will respond positively and get, you'll have that situation under control. That's what you're doing when you yell at your kids. You're hoping that they will fear you and shake in their boots. But let me tell you something. That will only last for so long. That screaming and yelling part. So if you're a parent like me, who has screamed most of their kid's life, if you are a parent, you are doing, what you're doing is you're removing the ability to influence them in the way you want to influence them. If you choose to react emotionally, each time they do something in a way that you disagree with, period. And influence is the number one thing that is apparent that we want in our kid's life. That's what you want. Because here's how influence works. When you are a younger kid, or, or younger kids are influenced by size and position. In other words, I'm bigger than you. I'm dad. I'm stronger than you. I can pick you up and put you here. I can make you stay. I can scream. I can yell. I can make you afraid of me because I'm bigger than you. My position is dad because I said so. That's the reason you're going to obey. That works when kids are younger, right? That, that, that does work. And if, if I want to, I can tell my kid, you're going to sit down and you're going to watch C-SPAN for three hours. They're going to do it because that's what I told you you're going to do. So I'm bigger than you. Right? When I was a kid, I, and I don't know why my mom, she's here today, and I'm, I, it's just hilarious to me, but I don't, I don't know why when we went to church, my parents decided to sit like on the second row or sit close to the front. But, but wherever we sat in church... Well, my brother and I would get a little wiggly and kind of, you know, restless in church because, you know, sometimes they went on for a long time and, or sometimes it was five minutes and I was done obeying and behaving myself. Whatever reason, my brother and I would get to giggling or we'd get to smacking or we'd get to doing whatever. My mom would just reach over like this. And, you know, to everybody else, she'd put her arm around us. And to everybody else, they're like, oh, Mrs. DeLong is so sweet. Look at her. She is, she is cuddling her kid and she's holding them. Mom, I wish you did that to me. No, let me tell you what was happening here because mom would get her arm around you and cuddle you and get her hand right here on the back of your neck and then it would turn into a death grip just like this. <laughs> your eyes would just about pop out of your head, you know, and you knew, hey, I am in trouble. And uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like a long death grip. It was just a, hey, you're in trouble kind of thing, you know, and it would be on the shoulder maybe. She always found these spots, man, in order to get the back of the arm. You know, that really hurts really bad back there. Just a quick pinch. And, and it didn't matter where you, here's the amazing thing. It was like magic because it didn't matter where you were sitting. I could be sitting down here and my mom was down here and she was like Stretch Armstrong. She could get to you. <laughs> across people and you just didn't even see it coming you didn't see it coming but that's an example of, of of using size now my mom she's like five foot nothing now and i'm 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 way taller than she is and i've been bigger than her for a long time and so the size and position thing only works for so long with your kids right and so uh, well, this is how we use our size and position over them but eventually you need to trans uh transfer or, or transition into influencing them differently you need to do that because older kids are influenced by relationship. For some of you, your kids are bigger than you. Like Trent, he towers over Shanda, right? And she has to look up at him. That, that's kind of an intimidating situation. She's not going to be able to intimidate him anymore. And the temptation is still to show control and power. We do it in different ways, though, now, right? We say, well, I've got power. I've got your keys, you know, your car keys. You're not going anywhere unless you do what I tell you to do. Or, or I'm going to take your device unless you listen to me now. 
And, and we respond in these ways to our kids because we want to control them. We, we want them to obey, right? And so we, we threaten them this way and we, we get emotional, right? And the temptation is there. And basically you're saying, if you comply with me, I'll give you what you want. I'll let you in. But the moment you go against me, you lose, cupcake. That's what we're telling our kids. That's what, that's what we're doing. And so we, what we fail to recognize is that if we continue to try to influence them through size and power and control, we're going to lose the most important thing in our kid's life, and that's influence. You will not be able to keep influence because the quality of your relationship with your children will determine the weight of your influence. It, it, it bears repeating here. The quality of your relationship with your children will determine the weight of your influence. Now, you don't need a Bible verse to tell you that that's true, do you? Think about that. If you had a horrible relationship with your parents, the moment you left, you were all done. Your mom or dad may try to call and speak into your life, but you refuse their advice. You think they're talking down to you. The relationship is just not there. You ran away from it. And all their rules and all the stuff that they taught you, you're like, wow, we're going partying. You just ran away from it, right? I'm going completely opposite of that. Right? Because the relationship was poor. You abandoned everything that they taught you as, as false because the relationship. Now, if you had a great relationship with your parents, to this day, you probably call them and you seek them for advice. You ask them how things go. They have the position and the influence to be able to speak into your life and guide you even today. Even if your parents are gone from this earth, their advice, their relationship still lingers in your life. Their influence is there. They're able to speak into you from beyond because the relationship was there. And it's something you will carry on through this generation and hopefully they will carry on into the next generation because of the relationship. You know that this is true. So the quality of your relationship with your children will determine the weight of your influence. And the older our kids get, the more critical this becomes because they need us to help them with the decisions that matter most, right? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What college am I going to go to? Which Buckeye game am I going to go to? Like, you need to know these kind of things, right? These are the decisions that matter most. Am I going to stand in line for my new iPhone 6 or am I going to order it online and be smart about it? You know what I mean? Like, which, what are you going to do? Oh, y'all are some iPhone haters up in here. That's all right. <laughs> but all these decisions are the ones that shape, that shape their lives, and we cannot risk leading by size and position. We must lean on the quality of our relationships to gain a positive or positive position of influence in their lives. That's what we all want, right? We all want that kind of influence on our kids, but how do we get that? So let's get really practical here. The first thing you can do if you want to have this kind of relationship with your kid and have this scream-free parenting relationship with them is to recognize you can't control your kids, but you can control yourself. Now, this is the one that nobody likes as a parent. This is the one you go, no, 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 they're the ones that are breaking the rules. They're the ones that I don't need to invest any time in myself. I don't need to work on this myself. But the, but the truth is, is, is that's actually what needs to happen. You need to grow up. You need to mature just a little bit. You say, Aaron, that's really rough for you to say that. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will hug you after service. It's cheap. My apology is cheap. That's right. Thank you. Yes. See? Ooh, ooh burn. Anybody got some ointment for that? It's nice. 
But here's what those mean. Those times when your kids totally disappoint you, what happens is if you are the average parent, you get really emotional and wind up yelling and screaming at your kids and trying to get your kids to comply through your emotions or to become compliant to it. You know, it's like when you lose your mind and your kid has just done something crazy and you're like, Trent, Tyler, Kasaya, oh, you know which one you are. You know what you did, <laughs> right? You get so frustrated. You get so angry, right? Go through the whole list. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have never included my dog in the list of names, but that's epic. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, you, but you know, when we do this, we aren't gaining influence with our kids at all. We, we just aren't because they aren't influenced by size and position anymore. And the message that you're sending when you start yelling at your kids is calm me down. Now you know why I yell. Yeah, right. <laughs> But the message you're sending is calm me down. Like, I'm losing my mind because of you. You need to behave so that I can calm down. That, that, well, that's not how that's supposed to work, is it? Think about, the, think about the danger of this. What we're teaching our kids is that all of our emotional responses are totally in their hands. We are teaching them that basically they are in control. They're in control of the grown adults. And here's the problem with that. They are the least mature family member in your household. And you are handing them control. Handing them control. See, look what the Bible says. In Proverbs 29, 11, it says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Look, when you're tempted to yell and to burst out on them, use some wisdom and hold it back. That's why the biggest struggle for parents is not the internet. It's not drugs. It's not Nicki Minaj. It's not tablets and cell phones. It's keeping ourselves under control. That's our biggest problem as a parent. So if you want to gain a position of influence with your kids, it starts by gaining control over yourself. Okay? The second way to develop a relationship with your kids as they get, get older is give them space. Look, every year as they grow older, every birthday that goes by, they are slowly moving towards independence. And that is what's going to happen. I mean, think about this. It's true in your life. When you were 16, when you were a kid, I, I used to climb up on my mom's lap and, or on the couch and I'd just lay on her lap and she'd pet me and whatever. When I got 16 or maybe, I don't even remember when I stopped doing that, but I eventually stopped doing that. I wanted my space. I didn't, I didn't continue to do those things. And your kids are going to be the exact same way. They like their space and it's just part of life. In fact, in Genesis 2, God creates man, he creates life, and then he gives man what? He gives him a free will. He says, you can go live your life. You have choices. Choices to make, and there are consequences that come along with those choices. But you have free will. And how dare we as parents try to take that away from our kids? Try to remove those opportunities. That is a God-given gift. Free will is. And we try to take that away from them. Now, I can't tell you about how, how, how giving them space is going to work out in your house because every single one of your situations is different. All your circumstances are different. Work schedules are different. Your kids behave differently. I can't tell you what that looks like, but I'm going to give you some stuff that I do to give my kids some space in my house. And, and, and hopefully it'll help you, okay? My kids are 11 and 12, so you need to understand that. My boys are 12. My daughter's 11, and so they're, they're becoming young men and women. And, and one of the first things that I do is, is I give them space to have their own friends, to have their own social circles. That means their, their own, their own uh, text messages, and they've got their own devices. You know, they, they have a way to, to communicate with their friends because they want to share pictures. They want to share text. They want to they talk about what's going on at school. They, they want to grow into that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do everything I can to force myself into those social circles, right? I want to be everybody's friend. Like, I will pay a kid to high-five me. You know what I'm saying? 
I want them to be my friends. Some of you know it's true. Your kids high-five me and I give them a dollar. Like, look, I am trying to be in their circle so that I can not just be an influence of my kid, but I can influence their friends. Like, I am looking for that. You've got to pay a kid. You've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> but like, like, I'm letting them grow into, into, into the little human beings that they are. Let them do that. Let them grow into that. That doesn't mean you let your brains fall out and that you don't monitor that. You, you totally got to do that. I do that. But, but you got to let them grow that way. Another thing I recently did, my, my boys are old enough. They've been sharing a room. So I, I transitioned them. I, I moved them into their own rooms, gave them their own space. They need that. They need to be able to do that. And so, you know, my kids are, are growing out of being influenced by my size and my position. So I give them opportunities to make decisions for themselves as well. Right? You think about that. There's consequences that come along with every decision that's made. Recently, uh, and, and we have a PlayStation 3 at my house, and, uh, and we like to play it together. It's a lot of fun. It's in the living room. I don't want to shuttle them off into a basement or anything like that. I, w- I want them to play right there. I want to see them. I want to see their interactions. And, uh, and so they're, they're playing PlayStation 3, and, and a new game was purchased. A new game was purchased. Now, generally, the way it works in my house is if you're playing PlayStation, you've got a 20-minute clock. And then you can, after your 20 minutes, you hand off the controller and somebody comes over. And I've instituted that with them and gave them a little structure. And they kind of operate that on their own. It's really good. They, they, can, they can monitor that. Gave them an idea. They worked it out. I even let them choose the time. 20 minutes. Great. That's what we'll do. When that timer goes off, you hand over the controller. However, when a new game comes into the house, that rule goes out the window. They're like, no, I don't, I don't think I want you to play my game. Why? Well, because it's new and I like it. All right. So I say to one of my boys, I'm like, choose wisely. See, we ought to freely give as we freely receive. Choose wisely. And I let him make the decision and I step back. Now, if a decision, a proper decision was made in this situation here last week, I'll just tell you that. But had a decision not been made, a proper one to share, here's what would have gone down. Well, you know that PlayStation 3 you're playing? That's mine. Hey, you know that TV you're playing on and those controllers you're using? Mine. Hey, you know the electricity that powers that TV? Also, mine. So it's gone. I'm not going to share with you anymore. And good luck with that PlayStation game. You can probably use it as a coaster because you can't play it anymore. Now, that didn't go down. It didn't go down. But you understand what I'm saying. There are consequences for the choice to not share. Okay, well, that's fine. You you need to understand I'm not going to share with you anymore. That's just the way that's going to go until you change your heart about that. Freely give as you freely receive. So my, my kids are that way. And you may think I'm a jerk, and that's okay. I'm all right with that. I can live with that. You can judge me. <clears throat> I, also give, I also give my kids space by knocking on their doors. This is a simple thing you can do. Your kids have their door closed. Knock on the door before you enter. I know it's your house, and you're rough and tough. But look, <laughs> knock on a door before you enter. This is great for a dad who's got a little girl, obviously. But even with the boys... If the door is closed, knock on the door. I'm not saying you can't enter. Knock before you enter, okay? So hear me. Hear what I'm saying. I also don't hover over their computer or their iPads to watch what they're doing. Now, oftentimes we are playing together, and I need to be able to sit down next to my kid and watch what they're doing. If they're running and hiding someplace with an iPad, it probably means something's going down that doesn't need to be going down. You know what I mean? But I don't sit there and watch everything that's happening. Now, I do monitor my, t- my kids' text messages. I monitor their social media. We, we, that's how we came to a place of no Instagram because that was just, they're not ready for that yet. I monitor all that kind of stuff. But I let them have their own world. And think about, think about what's happening here. 
Giving your kids space to do these kind of things is healthy. Because for me, I get to monitor their text messages and I get to watch what's happening there. I get to watch as the relationships are developing. And when they go south, I don't come in all rough and tough and scream at my kids. I get to, I get to talk them through it. So, hey, what's going on here? I will tell you this. The other day I found my kid. He, his girlfriend broke up with him and it's, it's a horrible situation. We're not sad about that at all. But he, she broke up with him and, uh, and he was pretty upset. Through the conversation of breaking up through these text messages, which I was able to read, things were said. She said some pretty hurtful things, and he, in turn, said some very hurtful things back. But a few bubbles down of conversation, a few hours go by, he comes back and he says, listen, I need to apologize to you. I need to apologize to you because I was hurt by what you said, and I responded and said these things, and I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. Awesome. See, look, I think as a parent, we have a tendency just to respond to our kids when they do negative things. But if you give your kids some space to make some mistakes, you can either talk through them or you can catch them doing good. And what do we do when we catch them doing good? Do you let them know how joyful your heart is? I did. I took that opportunity to say, hey, bro, I I saw that, that this went south. I saw what you said. And I'm proud of you because she didn't apologize. She didn't come back at all with anything other than negative stuff. I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing that. That's great. Now, if there hadn't been that, the conversation would have been a little different. Like, bro, what are you going to do about this to make it right? Give your kids some space. Give them an opportunity to, to, to make mistakes. We all need that. Another thing that I do is I don't tell my kids how to spend their money. I give them this kind of space. I've taught them about saving. I've offered to help. One of my kids has taken me up on helping him save. I got two, two other kids that have no problem saving their money at all. I have no idea how they have so much money all the time, but they do. They have it. The other kid can't seem to hold it, and he brings his money to me. He says, Dad, I need you to hold this, man. And I've got an envelope with his name on it, which he happens to know where it is, so there's really no point in me helping him in this regard because he just goes and gets it. But, but at least it's not in his pocket. He's able to save for some bigger things, and, I, and I'm helping them. I teach them about giving back to God. I've taught them about it, but I'm not going to enforce that on them. I'm not going to make them do that. I want them to make their own decisions. I've taught them about the blessings that come from it, from giving. And they are very giving kids. But I'm not going to sit there and hover over every dollar that they get and say, all right, make sure you tithe on that. Make sure that you save a dollar here or save a dollar there. I've, I've laid it out, and I'm willing to help. Give them space. Give them space to make those kind of mistakes. I also allow my kids to disagree with me. Now, I have a really hard time with this, being honest. But I'm okay if they want to disagree with me as long as they do it in a respectful way. As long as they'll say, you know what, Dad? We need to time out here. Hang on. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Now, if you're a yeller or you're a screamer, you're not going to have any time for your kids to disagree with you. You won't accept that because you're responding emotionally. That's why we need to get in a groove of not doing that, okay? Hmm. But I allow my kids to disagree with me. I'm all right personally. If, if they want to be wrong, that's okay. They can be wrong. (laughs) My kids are also allowed to be upset. This is something we oftentimes deny our kids the opportunity to do. We refuse to allow them to feel the emotions or express the emotions that they're feeling. See, it's not not about what they feel. That's not what makes it wrong. The Bible is very clear. Be angry and sin not. Those emotions are God-created. Not saying that God made them angry. I'm saying that... Anger, disappointment, all of these things that kids feel, that we feel, are perfectly human. And yet as parents, we try to deny them. No, you don't get to feel that way. 
You're not allowed to feel deprived. You're so blessed. Don't you know what kids in Africa are going through? Right? Don't we do this to our kids? I did it just this week. Don't we do that? You're not allowed to feel that way. Instead of saying, all right, you feel this way. Let's explore why. Isn't that healthier? And, and maybe talk them through those emotions and say, what are you going to do with that? Give your kids this kind of space. Let them feel how they feel. Here's, here's, here's the last thing that I do in, in, in this regard for giving them space. Let your kids dress how they want to dress unless it's, unless, you know, their booty's hanging out or they're walking around. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, don't, but the style of clothes is what I'm talking about. The style of clothes. My daughter likes to dress like Punky Brewster. Go for it. That's fine. You can ask her. She says, modest is hottest. She knows that rule in our house. <laughs> oh, you're laughing, but when it's your daughter, you'll love that. <laughs> modest is hottest. She knows that. And she knows that, that, that I believe that she needs to be saving her body for a man someday, her husband. Her husband. Being very clear about that. Save your body for that. And so I speak into their lives that way, but I, I'm going to let her dress however she wants to. She can come down wearing the funkiest colors, and I support that. I'm like, yay, be your own individual. I'm good with that. Or let your kids cut their hair. Who are they hurting with, with, by you know, drawing a lightning bolt on the side of their head? Like, I don't care. With the, with the clippers, let them, let them do that. That, that's okay. I don't want anybody my age, like at this age right now, I don't want anybody telling me how to dress or how to cut my hair. Your kids, your kids want that freedom too. They need that freedom to express themselves in that way. So giving them space is a risk, but what are the other options here? What are the other options as a parent not giving your kids this kind of space? Controlling everything? Is that, is that what the other option is? And you, and you say, well, I've got to control it because what if this happens? What if that happens? What, what, if, they, what if they have premarital sex? What if... What if they do drugs? What if they, what if they drink? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Look, I mean, you can what if yourself to death. You really can. If my kids go down those roads, I don't want my kids to go down those roads because I pushed them there. Because I pushed them there. Because I didn't give them space to make mistakes in an environment that was healthy, in an environment where I could speak into their lives. It's important. The other thing you can do with your kids to, to have a screen-free environment is give them structure. Give them structure. Look, you don't want your kid to turn out like Honey Boo Boo. Let's be honest. <laughs> Nobody wants that. But screen-free parenting requires structure. I know it sounded like I said give them some freedom, give them some space. Yeah, but, but within structure. Give, give them that. A six-year-old doesn't understand what they need. Right? They simply don't understand that laying around, playing video games, and eating Doritos all day long is not healthy for them. They don't understand that, right? And, and to be honest with you, it, they've got no idea what's good and what's not. Proverbs 6, 20 through 22 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. So the assumption here when you read this verse is that parents are going to be involved. Parents are going to speak into the kids' lives. It's encouraged. You need to be involved in your kids' lives. Why? Because kids don't know what's good for them. I've never had a single one of my kids come to me and say, Dad, here's what I need. I need a bedtime. Uh, I need food. I need to be able to eat three to ten times a day. Um, I'm going to need a bath every day. I'm going to need toothpaste for my tooth. My kids, my kids don't do that. I've had to teach them all those things, that those things are healthy for them. Why? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, folks. They just don't, they don't know what they need. And so they don't always 
want what they say they want either, right? They just don't. And we know as parents that they what they need though. And so one way to think about your parenting style is, is business and personal, right? The business side is all the structure that they need. They need all these things because they don't know what they need. You got to do that. And then there's the personal side too. And of course, when you get on the personal side, we all, we all try to err a little bit on the personal side and be like our kid's friend, like their best friend, right? But let, let me tell you that if you do that, you will, you will eliminate that level of influence that you have in their life to actually be their parent, to give them that kind of structure if you're their buddy the whole time. So, so uh, do, your, do your best to resist that temptation. So establishing structure involves like giving out chores. Give out chores that are required to be done before they have leisure time. Make sure their homework is done before they have leisure time. It's this kind of stuff. Make sure that you establish bedtime, school nights, and weekend times. Give them hours. Don't let the kids dictate these kind of things to you. Know the passwords to all your kids' social media. Know it so that you can, they know, hey, I can access this at any time. This is structure. I'm going to let you have your own, your own life and do what you want, say what you want, but just know that I get to look. Know the access and have all this stuff. Don't let them erase internet history. And if they do, let there be consequences. Let, let that, that's the next thing. Establish some consequences. So with that structure, establish some consequences. Look, as a parent, we have a tendency to want to scream. But if you just establish consequences, the, the consequences can do the screaming for you. Because look, if they disobey, if they do A, B, and C, they get this. And you don't have to yell anymore. They know what to expect. Well, here's the consequence for that. And I know it stinks being the person to give out consequences. You don't want to do that. Sometimes it's my, my wife looks at me and says, Aaron, you better take care of that. Mm, I'm about to lose my mind. You better take care of that. Right now, I, I got to go be the one to take care of it. Like you, it's not fun giving out consequences. It's not. But your kids need to know. that. Look, if I, if I do this, this is what happens. If I don't do that, that happens. Look, you say, that, well, Aaron, you're being really cruel. Am I? Say that to the repo man as he's taking away your kid's car when they're older because they didn't make their payment. Because they don't understand consequences. See if the repo man cares. <laughs> he won't. Well, this is the consequences for not paying your bill. Kids need to understand consequences. They, they absolutely need to do that. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And doing this is not easy. And here's a couple quick pointers, and I'm, I'm closing. Here's a couple quick pointers for you. Don't give out consequences in public. You're going to give consequences. Don't give them in public. I don't care if your kid is throwing a temper tantrum on the floor. You do not need to scoop them up, pull their ear. You don't need to do that in public. Take them to the car. They need to know there's going to be some consequences when they get home. Resist the temptation to give them in public. It is not my goal to ever embarrass my kids and give them... I said it's not my goal. I didn't say I never did it. <laughs> it is not my goal to give my kids consequences in public. It's to pull them aside and say, we've got something to deal with. We need to deal with this. I don't want to embarrass him. The second thing, here's another pointer for you. As far as consequences go, don't give out consequences for accidents. Kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to bungle around. They're going to bump into stuff as they're growing. Their body is awkward. Their feet are bigger than they can handle. They're, they're, just getting, they're going to have accidents. Don't give out consequences for accidents. Last point, if you want some screen-free parenting, is follow through. Follow through on what you say that you're going to do, folks. If you say that there's going to be this consequence, better give it. Because if you don't, you're teaching your kids that you lack integrity and that that's okay. That ah, the consequences aren't real, they're made up, the points don't matter. It's like a, you know. You're teaching them that 
consequences will not bite them if they don't do what they need to do. Even if we're dealing with discipline, or, or, or not, maybe it's just you said you go play football with your kid. If you told your kid you go play football and you don't, you're not following through. You're teaching them they don't have to be a man or woman of their word. Look at Galatians 6, 9. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Look, guys, we can't go tired of doing right. We just can't. It's easy not to follow through with our kids because eh, they're our kids. They have to love us. They're stuck with us, right? And we figure that out. We figure that, but we're wrong. We are dead wrong. Dead wrong. This will bite you someday because they will do it to you or to others and you will be back to being emotional and screaming. We need to honor our words. Don't let consequences that are tough for you to enforce, like don't give consequences rather, excuse me, that are tough for you to enforce. Like look, if you got a kid and you tell him, hey, no TV for three months, that's a little rough. You and I both know that a TV is a great babysitter if you need to make a meal or go take a shower. You know what I'm saying? That would be a difficult consequence to give a kid. So don't say that, otherwise you're going to have to follow through on it. Don't make it hard on yourself. You know, your kids, they mainly need encouragement. Do you encourage your kids more than you discourage them? Are you their biggest cheerleader, their biggest fan when they're doing well? And even when they make mistakes, are you there to help them pick up the pieces? Your kids need you to stand by them. If you want a strong relationship, if you want a position of influence in their lives, you need to encourage them more than you discourage them. They need to know that you are there to support them. They need to have that space. They need to have the structure. They need to have these things in place so that they can feel free to grow. Because don't we all want that? When we understand the boundaries, when we understand the structure, it's okay to make mistakes. It's not that we try to make them. We just feel it's okay to try something, to grow. We all need that. And if you do these things, you'll find that you're developing influence in your kids' lives. And that can lead to scream-free parenting. And your question as I close today is why? Why is scream-free parenting? Why is that important, Aaron? Let me ask you this. When you scream at your kids, do you think you're showing them love? When you lose your mind, is that demonstrating patience? Are you a bearer of peace when you do that? Look, I'm asking you the same question because I'm just as guilty. My family, my mother, any of my close friends know I have been a screamer for a long time. I'm going to share something with you and and then I'm done. Four weeks ago, I was tired of telling my kids sorry for yelling at them. I was tired of repenting to them and saying, I'm sorry, and then yelling at them again when I, when I got emotional. I was sitting against them. <clears throat> and I was tired of saying sorry about it. So I prayed. I said, God, I need something. I need help as a parent. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, invite him into the conversation. Now, you know what that means? Any of you that have ever dealt with something that's out of control in your life? Maybe it's an addiction or a behavior, whatever it is. When you invite somebody else into the conversation, you get accountability. And that thing that was a mountain that you could not climb before, suddenly conquerable. You're able to get past it. So I set my kids down and I repented for what I hope was the last time. And I apologized to them for sinning against them by yelling at them and not speaking to them with love. And then I asked them for help. I said, I am not able to control this on my own. 
I need your help. And I gave them a timeout signal like this so that if I ever come at them and I'm yelling at them, they go, timeout, dad. And I've committed to submitting to that. That means I need to slow down, take a moment to think. That's what we're doing in my house. And I'm here to tell you that since I sat my kids down and repented to them and asked them to help me, I've gone four weeks without screaming at my kids. I'm not asking for your applause. They've had 12 years of it. I'm ashamed of my behavior. I am. I know I'm saying it with a smile on my face up here, but it breaks my heart. Because I've, I've sinned against them that long. The weight of that is on my shoulders. They get to grow up and say, yeah, up until this point. But they get to say, but God stepped in. The story gets to shift, and I'm okay with that. Invite your kids into the conversation if you need to. Pray about how that looks in your house. Because I, I was sinning against my kids by not operating in love. And we're all doing the same. And we all need help in that, okay? And I know it's easy for me to say today, and it's easy, easy to stand up here and say, do this. But it's even harder when you're in the heat of the moment. It really is. But look, if you want that position of influence in your kid's life, you need to do these things. You need to have that relationship with them. Because, man, they've got some big things ahead of them, and they need you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that, it, that uh, as parents, we realize that we can just do our best. And that's all we can do. Father, I pray that as we grapple with the idea that we are to be responsible to our kids and not for our kids, that you would help us flesh out what that looks like in our homes. To humble ourselves where we need to humble ourselves. Maybe we need to humble ourselves to our kids, to our spouse, to some friends. I have no idea what that's going to look like. But I pray that as we submit to that, as we even begin to pray through that, that you would speak to our hearts and that as parents, you would help us shift and become scream free so that we can honor you, honor ourselves, honor our children and our relationships can grow. Help us do that. Lord, we need influence in our kids' lives more than ever nowadays. We need your help. So help us as parents. Asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, I ask our service hosts to come at this time.